You've tuned into The Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to The Dr. Lowe Show. Hello, welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Lauren Noel, naturopathic doctor. Thank you so much for joining me for an ep- another episode. By the way, if you guys didn't know my origin story of why Low is a nickname, it's because a family friend, his daughter, when I was a teenager, she was real, real little and she couldn't pronounce Lauren. And so she called me Low. So it just kind of stuck. And after that, my friends called me Low. You know, my brother calls me Low even still. So just kind of a fun name. And it just was better than Dr. Lauren Radio or Dr. Lauren Show. So Dr. Lowe Show, and it was born. Well, thanks for joining me. This was a fun episode that we did, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it, especially if you deal with chronic pain or acute pain. It can be really debilitating, and oftentimes you feel like you have no options besides just taking drugs. So I think if this is something you deal with, you're going to feel a lot of hope, a lot of encouragement listening to this episode because you'll get so many tools that can really start to make a difference um, in your symptoms. Paleo Valley is the show sponsor of the show. I wanted to mention a product that they have that is especially good if you are dealing with pain. This is their turmeric complex. So you've probably heard of turmeric before. It is a superfood. We know that it's incredibly anti-inflammatory. It's anti-cancer. It's great for the brain and it can help with pain. It can help, help with joint and muscle discomfort. It also has some really cool benefits of working on brain fog. It also helps to support a healthy immune system and a lot more things. What I like about this particular product, this is over at paleovalley.com. They have not only just the turmeric, but there's ginger, there's rosemary. Rosemary also has some great anti-inflammatory effects. There's cloves, coconut oil, as well as black pepper. So black pepper helps with the absorption of the turmeric. So it's very safe. What I like too is it's full spectrum. It's whole food, organic turmeric. So it's not an extract. It's actually taking the whole plant. And it has the protection against DNA damage as well, which can happen quite a bit with just aging. So it's a good anti-aging you know, aging formula too. So, And then the absorption is great because the black pepper, it increases the absorption of turmeric by six times. So if you'd like to get your turmeric complex over at Paleo Valley, you head over to paleovalley.com. And then at checkout, you can get a discount 15% just by entering Dr. Lowe, D-R-L-O. All right. With that said, let's jump into the show, talk all about how to address pain. I'm really happy to have Dr. Christian on the show. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, his, him and his wife, Yvonne, and their three kids, they came to actually Zion's baby shower back when I was huge and had my big old belly. So they're great. I'm just so happy to have Dr. Christian on the show. So enjoy this episode and let's jump into it. Oh, before I forget... I am doing my new patient. Um, it's actually my Dr. Lowe 40th birthday special, and I had extended it until March 12th. So 
by the time you're listening to this, um, if you're listening to this right when it comes out, you'll have about a week left before the deadline. So basically, if you just call the office, let them know you want to set up a new patient visit, say you are calling um, for the Dr. Lowe 40th birthday special, and then you'll get $50 off your first patient appointment. So I would love to work with you if you are dealing with a lot of pain issues and you just want to look under the hood and see what's going on. Maybe you have a food sensitivity, maybe you have a gut infection and that's causing inflammation within your body. would love to work with you and help you identify the root of the issue. And you can just head over to shinenaturalmedicine.com. And then also if listening to Dr. Christian today, if you want to do a visit with him, send us a message over there because we are talking about ways for he and I to work together so that he can help you guys out too. So, all right, showtime. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So I am so happy right now. I get to interview an old time friend who is just the coolest dude. He's, he has helped me so much. My family recently got sick and he just rallied to help and just an amazing human. So I'm just really excited to have my friend, Dr. Christian Flores on the show. What's cool about him is he's a total nerd, more so than me, like times a million. And he is an ND and an MD because he's crazy. He decided, so actually a lot of times when you see an MD, ND, a lot of times it starts with the MD and then they go back and get their ND because um, it's actually a more kind of expedited process that way, but not Dr. Christian. No, he decided to go back to conventional MD school and kind of start from the beginning again, which is just nuts. But the beauty of it, he has such a huge um, just array of tools that he can offer his patients. And, and it's really beautiful when you get that, that the training with the ND first, because you get the philosophy part first, rather than being, you know, trained in just the straight up conventional medical model. So really cool. So a little bit more about my guest, Dr. Christian. So he has, he is currently finishing a residency in physical medicine and rehabilitation. But prior to that, obviously, I mentioned he got his doctorate in naturopathic medicine. So we went to school together up in Portland. And his focus is on whole person care. So really looking at lifestyle, letting that be the bedrock for, for their healing. And he's, he really focuses on um, mental, emotional, physiological, you know, anatomics. So looking at the, the actual structure and putting it all together because that we're not just like knee pain. We're not just neck pain, right? It's all connected. And, and so taking that whole body approach is what I really wanted to highlight on the show. And so Dr. Christian, welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm super excited to, to be here. And thank you for that introduction. I think it was uh, probably <laughs> a little more gratuitous than what I learned, Oh, but. nonsense, you humble man. So <laughs> so you, um, this is your first time doing a podcast interview, right? It is. Yeah, I've never, so cool. never done a podcast ever. So this is, this is it. Now, just so you guys listening know, Dr. Christian, he would really annoy all of us in school because he would be the guy that we would sit down to take this test that we all have like majorly studied for and stressed about and everything. He would, he would just kind of, you know, take it super quick and walk up to the front, hand it in. And we would all look at each other like, what is with this guy? Like, how did he finish so fast? And he would get great grades and he'd be in the back of the class, like managing his, his cleaning business on the side. Like, it's just, I think you're genius. I don't, I want to know what your IQ is, but, <laughs> but it really took that level of 
just dedication, you know, mentally and having just the ability to do what you've done. So I would love to know, let's backtrack a little bit. Um, What is it that made you decide to go into medicine, you know, naturopathic, and then what made you decide to become an MD? Um, And then tell us a little bit of what you're kind of doing now. Yeah, sure. So, you know, certainly I would say that my, uh, my approach, uh, my first introduction, I guess, to medicine was more in the conventional realm. Um, I got a bachelor's in biology and, you know, I certainly had always uh, you know, sort of dreamed as being a, a physician as I was growing up. And I think just somewhere along the way, um, my, I think my, my mom actually, she had a lot of health problems growing up. Um, and I think it was certainly, uh, there was a lot going on with uh, with her then you know met the eye a lot of autoimmune conditions and she certainly uh, in that living living with a lot of different uh, conditions that you know are very unpredictable and can cause you pain certainly I think take a, a toll on your uh, on your mental and emotional health as well so she actually started seeing and you'll know this physician Lauren Dr. Sandberg Lewis mm-hmm. at, at the college where we where we uh, ended oh, no up way. Right on. Yeah, so she she had been seeing him for years, and um, I always thought she was a little bit weird for for doing so <laughs> because I didn't really understand the whole naturopathic approach to things. But um, you know, as I got closer to to my career and you know, with an eye towards the future, I really started thinking about you know what what did I want my approach to be. So um, I remember very distinctly, actually, as I was pre med having a conversation with a physician. It was a medical physician and a medical doctor. And he, uh, we were talking and he's like, hey, you know what, Christian, you know, you seem like a, a pretty you know, interesting guy. He seems like you really like, you know, to think about things well, you know, maybe a little bit more of a deeper thinker. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, that's certainly the way I tend to approach things. He said, well, I just want, I just want you to keep this in mind. He's like, because I, I see a lot of myself in you. When I was younger, I thought that going to medical school was going to be somewhat of a philosophical experience. Mm-hmm. He's like, and it wasn't, it wasn't at all. So that really actually took me, took me aback. And I, and I, you know, really had to consider that. And I, and I thought, you know, I actually, I feel like where I am in my life at that point where I was, I, I wanted a philosophical experience. I wanted to have an understanding of, you know, just approach to, to health in general, you know, why we do the things we do, more of the history of the, of the philosophy of, you know, just learning all the things that we learn in naturopathic school about, you know, just the innate capabilities of the body to heal itself without always having to rely on a, on a pill or on some, you know, huge intervention. So that really put me on my track. I, I had actually already been uh, accepted to medical school and um, I, wow. called, yeah, I called the National College of Natural Medicine, which it was at that point. I think that was called university. And I think it was like, it was pretty late. I think it was like May of the previous year. And I told them, hey, you know what? I'm kind of interested in coming to your school. So I met with one of, with one of the physicians, Dr. Winstar. Uh-huh. And she, so she was like, oh, she was like, you know what? I think, I think you seem like a cool guy. I think you'd fit in here. Yeah, why don't you come? And so really within like a matter of like two or three months, I switched from conventional medicine to naturopathic medicine. And it was sort of this real like intuitive process where I just decided to, you know, turn off, you know, what my brain says and kind of go a little bit more with like what felt right for my soul. And that's really what kind of took me into doing naturopathic medicine, which was, I think, such an amazing experience. Like you said, it was a little bit backwards. (laughs) 
don't think I've ever met anybody else that's done done it the way quite it that I have. I'm sure they're out there, but it was such a great experience to to really understand the just the philosophy of of all medicine. Really, it's not just the philosophy of naturopathic medicine. A lot of the the roots of naturopathic medicine are the same roots that sprung forth chiropractic and osteopathic and allopathic medicine. We all sort of come from the same initial background. You know, things kind of got a little bit more separate along the way, but. Mm-hmm. I think that really having that philosophy, as you mentioned, as the base, as my approach, is really what's really set me set me on my path uh, mm-hmm. to be the type of physician that I that I am currently. And in terms of uh, you know why I chose physical medicine and rehabilitation, a lot of it has to do with my naturopathic background. You know, in in naturopathic medicine, we really focus not so much on you know getting caught up in naming things exactly what they're supposed to be, but really looking at what are the symptoms that the patient is presenting with, you know, what's, how is that affecting their quality of life? How, what can we do to make their life better? And I have to rely on whether this lab is, you know, negative or positive or what the level is, but really just looking at the patient and looking at, you know, how is this effect affecting their function? And really that's, that's very much in line with what uh, physical medicine and rehabilitation is about. We really focus on the quality of life. You know, you've had a stroke, you've had a, brain injury, you've had a spinal cord injury, obviously that's going to cause significant changes to your body. But even within all of that, what can we really do to really add quality and function to your life so that you can, you know, really live your life to the fullest, no matter whatever your circumstances may be. Mm -hmm. I know that when we were in school, I think you had talked about maybe having the idea of going back to MD or going to MD school to become a surgeon. I think you had thought about that some, at one point. Is that right? If I'm remembering yeah. correctly. And then you decided to go into pain. So why was that? Yeah. So, you know, I really decided there, there was that sort of alluring, interesting component of, of surgery. And, um, you know, once you actually go through it, you realize that there's, there's definitely like a personality that is like a surgeon. Surgeons mm-hmm. <laughs> certainly have like, there's like a crew that's like, that they do surgery. And <laughs> as I was going through medical school, I, I, I got a lot of, you know, sort of different advice. I, I like listening to people's different points of view, their opinions. And I remember talking to, uh, to a couple of people and they said, you know, unless you cannot see yourself doing anything else in life other than surgery, you shouldn't choose surgery. Mm. And I thought, that's kind of an interesting way to see things. And then going into the surgery as a medical student, you know, going into the OR and doing a lot of the, uh, the OR procedures, it was really cool, right? Super fun experience, super interesting. But I, I definitely couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. And now being on the other side after already having chosen the residency, I'm actually super happy that I got that advice because now, you know, I can, I can certainly see that when you're the tool that you have is a hammer, right? Everything's yeah, a hammer. Right. Wow. So, so if you're, wow. if you're a surgeon, right, then everything that, that you're going to want to do is, is surgery, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that a lot of times uh, primary care doctors will say, oh, you, you have a pain in your knee or you have a pain in your, in your shoulder. Let's send you to orthopedics. But then they don't actually finish the full knee. It's not just orthopedics. It's orthopedic surgery. So, right. so, so they're looking to do surgery, right? That's what they do. So like if you, if you go and present to an orthopedic surgeon's office and you tell them you absolutely don't want to do surgery, well, they're going to say, well, then why are you here? <laughs> right. right. So, so that's, where, that's where 
where we step in, right, where physical medicine and rehabilitation steps in, we certainly have a lot of the, the tools to be able to really focus on not having to like use this huge hammer, but, you know, trying to finesse things a little bit more. Like what are the things that we can do to really add strength and add functionality to whatever your, your condition might be? So good. Well, at first I wanted to jump into what you do at your current place, but I think we should save that for a little bit later because that could be used as, you know, like included in some of the tools that people can consider for getting out of pain. So I think we should take a step back and just talk a little bit more generally about pain. I know that you mentioned about pain perceptions, um, you know, when we were talking about what kind of topics we wanted to talk about. So let's talk about pain perceptions. Like what is pain? Why is it that, you know, let's say two people can have the same injury and then the pain perception is very different. Yeah, no, that's a great, you know, I think this is a really interesting topic. And I think it's something that is, um, that is looked over. And I think a lot of physicians struggle with this as well, because there's not an objective measure that we can use to measure pain, right? Mm -hmm. So really, we are relying on, on you on the patient to tell us what your pain level is. And so we try to develop things like a scale of one to 10 that works sometimes, but sometimes patients say, well, it's a hundred. So really the interesting portion of pain perception is it's, it's very much a subjective experience. So there are uh, actually a couple of therapists that have really looked into this quite a bit. There's a, there's a group out of um, Australia. That's one that I have really looked at quite a bit and they, they, have a few different tenets. And one of them, I think that's really important that I think is kind of sometimes I think when I say this to patients at first, it's kind of like nails on a chalkboard, but I think it's important just kind of hang with me. So I think one thing that's really important to remember is that pain is in your brain. And so again, I think that can sometimes be a little bit off putting to people, but it's not to say that the pain that you're experiencing is, is made up or it's not real. But it's to understand that pain is something that is governed by the nervous system, right? Mm -hmm. So pain is something that is the peripheral nerves, the nerves in our arms and in our legs play a role, the central nerves, the, the nerves that we have in our spinal cord, but also the, the brain is, is all nerves, right? So it's really important to remember that pain perception and how we perceive pain is super important. So there's, there's a story about a guy who's out in like the outback walking around and he feels a little something on his ankle, but just sort of keeps walking, right? He's like, oh, you know, it was a twig or something, a little scratch. He keeps walking and maybe 15, 20 minutes later, he starts to feel really sweaty, feel really clammy. You know, his vision's kind of going blurry. You know, he eventually passes out. Well, lo and behold, looking back, there was actually, uh, that was a snake that had bit his ankle. Whoa. And he he was so focused on just like the hike and going through and doing his thing. And it was like a, you know, he was really, he was really focused on the hike, but he didn't even realize that the snake had bit. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Right. So then, so this guy, right, later on, you know, a couple of years later, he's out back in that in the outback and he's all cured. He's ready to go. He's out there. And all of a sudden he feels a little twinge in his ankle again. This time though, he like drops to the ground, screams in pain. Oh my gosh. Oh no. You know, his brain told him, Hey, alert, red alert danger, right? Because this happened before and this this caused some serious issues. So he looks down and it was a little branch that had, you know, scraped his ankle. Wow. So, you know, the certainly we have different security systems. We have different alerts in our brain that are there for a purpose, right? So pain 
is a, it's an alert, right? It has its purpose. Pain is to tell us, hey, something's not right here. Something's not going well. But, you know, I think that one important thing to, to remember is that uh, that system can sometimes go a little bit haywire. So it's really important. One of the things that I really focus on my patients with is really trying to reset the brain, really trying to reset those alert systems so that, so that when we move, so that when we bend forward, so that when we extend that, that knee, so that when we bear weight on it, so that we, we aren't having this red alert that's telling us, hey, danger, danger, danger. Instead, you know, we can, we can proceed with caution, but say, hey, you know what? There's nothing that's hurting me here. I know that this is okay. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to regain movement. There's no need to have this fear of movement because that in and of itself can be very counterproductive to any sort of, of a progression to getting out of pain and rehabilitating ourselves. Mm-hmm. Man, I wish I had that guy's pain perception uh, when I was in <laughs> birthing my son. Pretty, pretty amazing. You know, I think of um, when I was before this interview, I was just looking up some things and came across, you know, the catastrophizing of pain, right? And how that can make you more sedentary, actually. And then the sedentary um, lifestyle can create more pain. It was interesting looking at, probably, you know, read this, but in the journal Pain, looking at some research out of Penn State, they were looking at folks with knee osteoarthritis. And they mm-hmm. found that the ones that had the higher catastrophizing of the pain, right, just making it this bigger and bigger thing, they had more pain because they were so sedentary. And I just think that's so interesting, like seeing the pain as something that just completely um, controls you. And there's even just a couple, you know, life experiences, like I can think back to when my dad finally went in and got some imaging for his back, he was having some back pain. And when they looked over the x ray and showed him the results, they said, this is the worst back we had ever seen. They showed this huge curve and everything. And I I tell you, he left that office in 10 times more pain than when he walked into the office. It was amazing. I'm, I'm thinking like, why would you tell your patient that like, you should know this science, you should know this data. There's going to be worse outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that reminds me of a, of a story. I was at the University of Utah as a medical student. I was rotating through them. And, you know, they do a lot of uh, sports medicine type stuff. So I was in a sports medicine clinic. And I remember there was, um, there was a patient, you know, maybe like mid-40s, right? And he was in severe pain, right? Severe pain. And, and you know, we were trying to get a hold of what was going on with him. You know, he's like using crutches and just like you said, we were like, well, what's going on? He said, well, my, my, my doctor got a, an x-ray. He told me that I have degeneration in my knee. And so to the average person, right, when you say degeneration, like that sounds terrible, right? Like it sounds like things are crumbling down. It sounds like things are falling apart, right? Degeneration is not a great thing. It's not something that you want to have in your joint, right, at all. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at his x-ray and yeah, he had degenerative joint disease, which is, you know, just our medical term for saying, yeah, you have some wear and tear in your knee, right? You have things change over time. The, the, the knee of a 45-year-old isn't going to look like the knee of a, of a 15-year-old, right? So counter that with the next patient that I saw, who I think he was a 70-year-old ski patrolman. And he had had a fall and, you know, there was some concern that maybe he had, you know, broken one of his bones in his lower leg. Maybe there was a fibular fracture. And so we got an x-ray and I looked at his knee. And just like you said, I was like, this is one of the worst knees that I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> literally like no cartilage, things are rubbing together. There's like all these cysts within the bone itself. Like just a, like 
easily classified as severe degenerative disease, right? Mm-hmm. So I asked him, well, so how's your knee doing? He's like, oh, no, it's great. You know, I still go skiing every day, you know, no problem. <laughs> so I was like, wow. So, you know, it's certainly um, just because there are structural changes doesn't mean that that, that, that governs exactly what we're feeling. It's so interesting. I saw some data looking at um, abnormalities found on scans in asymptomatic people, so without any symptoms, and just a few things that showed there was um, 87% of patients had disc bulging. This is looking at 1,200 people from age 20 to 70. That's kind of interesting, no symptoms. There was disc degeneration, looking at over 3,000 people. And that was 37% of 20-year-olds had disc degeneration, 96% of 80-year-olds. But these, again, these are people without any symptoms. There's meniscal tears. There was cartilage defects, osteoarthritis, you know, bursa, thickening, all kinds of things. And it's like, these are people without symptoms. So it, it is just important for people to realize the power of their brain. And that's the good news is that you can change your perception. So how can we do that? How can people change their pain perceptions if someone says, you know, I just have a really low pain tolerance. So what can they do? Yeah, so I think, I think first and foremost, I think uh, the number one thing, like you mentioned, I think is really understanding that structure does not necessarily govern, govern function. So mm-hmm. just because there's degeneration, right, that's not a disease process that is unique to an individual. So that's just our medical way of saying that there's wear and tear, that gravity has its effect, and that things change over time. So if you don't understand something, right, then it's scary, right? You get fearful. You know, that, that, and that fear can certainly cause a lot of anxiety, can cause a lot of stress. And all of these things we know, like you mentioned, can, can really uh, affect the way in which we perceive our pain. So we know that, that people who are, who are highly anxious, that people who tend to catastrophize things, right? They tend to look at things and say, you know, this is going to, this is going to be, you know, the worst thing that we could possibly imagine. So catastrophizing, just if, if any of your listeners out there aren't quite sure what we're referring to, it's, it's like when you, when your son comes home with a, with a C right on his math test. And then the next thing, you know, you're telling you're, you're committing him to a life of crime where he's going to be homeless and he's going to end up on the street and you know nothing's going to turn out right because he got this the C on his math test right so so we know that that's not the way life works right so just because we have these these structural changes these functional changes it doesn't mean that that it, that it has to be painful so mm-hmm. I think one thing that's really important is to learn about the anatomy learn what's normal, learn learn what's unique and different to you. But education is a key component in in combating fear. And also just realizing that your doctor you're seeing, they may have a vested interest in you actually following through in a procedure to treat this pain source, right? Because if they only have surgery, then they may kind of feed into that catastrophizing for you. So educate yourself and know that perception is key. And so there's the perception, which is just your view of it. But then let's talk about inflammation. So how, how does that play into pain? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I would say that uh, inflammation, I think, is, is something that is, that's really important. Right? So I think inflammation is, again, it's, it's something that is good when it's necessary. Right? So the inflammatory response 
really allows our body to really be able to focus in on a part and say, hey, there's something going on here. There's something that's not right and we need to try to fix it, right? So uh, physicians uh, often uh, will say, well, inflammation can be uncomfortable and my patient's complaining that they're in pain and so we need to stop that discomfort and we need to just try to squash that inflammatory response. So we use often tools like anti-inflammatory medications, ibuprofen, naproxen. Uh, we use steroids to really try to squash that inflammatory response because we want our patients to be happy. We want them to like us. They want, we want them to come back. Right? Mm -hmm. so, so, but, but what can happen is if that inflammatory response doesn't have the, the desired effect, then it can become a chronic issue. And so the body, so what we're doing is sometimes we actually are being counterproductive when we're stopping the body from doing what it was designed to do. So that inflammatory response is meant to tell the body, hey, there's inflammation, there, there's, there's some damage here. We need to go in and we need to be able to, to fix that. And sometimes um, the body can get into a, a negative chronic response on its own, even if we don't do anything. Sometimes it can just, you know, we, we don't change our habits. We don't change the way that we're moving our body, right? We're slouched in front of a computer all day. We're eating McDonald's, you know, every day. We're doing whatever it is that's causing inflammation for us. It doesn't even have to be McDonald's every day, right? We know that some people have, have more of an issue with things like gluten or dairy or eggs or, or whatever. So uh, if, if, we, if our body's inflammatory response is out of whack, then sometimes what we can do as physicians is go in and create a new inflammatory response. That's where things like hmm. Prolo or PRP or trigger point injections can be really helpful because we're actually trying to get the body to wake up and say, hey, there's something wrong here. You, know, you should come back here and you should really try to fix this. So really trying to do the things that we can in order to, to help that response is, is super important. So if the inflammatory response is wacky, though, then we need to address that, right? With things like lifestyle, with things like you know, making sure that our diet is healthy, making sure that we're sleeping well, making sure that we are uh, exercising appropriately. You know, all of the things that, that we do day to day can have a significant effect on our inflammatory response. And I don't know for all of you people who are out there who have gotten the COVID vaccine, but what do they tell you? Oh, after your COVID vaccine, you actually, you cannot have steroids for two weeks after your COVID vaccine. Why? Because we want there to be an inflammatory response. We want there to be, we want your body to be able to create antibodies. We want it to be able to do what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And we it's know like people get PRP, right? Same thing. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And so when you get your vaccine, you shouldn't take an ibuprofen to, to, to you know, to stop the, whatever symptoms you might get. After you get it, you shouldn't have steroids because we want the body to have a response. Right, we want it to do the things that it's supposed to do, and we need to be able to to foster that environment so that it, it's it's able to heal itself. It's so important when a patient comes in with chronic pain to go on a pain hunt, get to the root of the pain. Right? It's like, is this a perception issue? For me, I would I would dive into what what happened maybe in their past medical history in terms of trauma. You know, if have they do they have PTSD and they have this heightened pain response. I would want to go on an inflammation hunt, see if, you know, do they have clues of infection? I, I you know, we're broken records as NDs, always looking at the gut. Is there maybe an infection in their digestive system that's causing inflammation that's worsening their pain, right? Or maybe they're eating, like you said, you know, like a good diet. Maybe they're eating foods that they're constantly reacting to. Like, I can't say how many times I have a patient go off of gluten and all of a sudden a week later they can close their hands again. 
You know, they don't have like the joint pain or maybe they have bad omega-3 levels, right? Maybe they have too much omega-6, which is the inflammatory, not enough omega-3. So you have to go down this inflammation hunt. Yeah, absolutely. I was at the VA speaking with a, with a veteran, right? You know, a, a veteran, gruffy veteran, right? You know, 60-year-old dude was in like Vietnam. If you've dealt with, with the veteran patients before. But they're, not as they're, easy as you, but a few, yeah. They're like their own class. They're awesome, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're their own class. They're like super, like they have their, their way of seeing things. This is the way they do it. And it is what it is. And typically, for the most part, the ones that I've seen at the veteran at the veterans fair, they're not super into like alternative stuff. Uh-huh. Like, they like to stay pretty conventional. With right. And so I remember calling this patient. He had been calling the clinic quite a bit. And I was like, oh, man, he's going to be upset about something. And they also aren't afraid to, to voice their concerns or to call their congressman or whatever and, and tell you what they, what they need. So I remember, I remember calling him and um, he, had, he was in like severe 100 out of 10 pain, right, in his knee. Just terrible, terrible, terrible pain. And he had gotten an MRI and, you know, they, they couldn't find anything specifically that was wrong with it. Like, but he was in severe pain, not able to walk. I think we had actually issued him like a four wheel walker last time that he was there because he was having such a hard time. So I called him and I was like, Hey, Mr. So-and-so, how are you doing? He's like, Oh, I'm great. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I feel I'm pain free. And I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm like, yeah, I was, well, what, what did we do for you? He goes, oh, well, you guys didn't do anything. So I was like, okay, well, then what, what changed? What's new? He goes, well, my, I was having some, some gut issues, and my gastroenterologist, he took me off of dairy and wheat and gluten. <laughs> He's like, and I have zero pain for the last two weeks since I stopped it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's real. It works. <laughs> you didn't know until you went to MD school. <laughs> that's so funny. You needed a, a veteran to tell you. That's so funny. Wow. It's real. It is so true. It's, I, I see it all the time. That's really cool. Let's talk about some of the imaging that you do. I know you, t- you know, you mentioned, you know, offline that you, you do some advanced imaging kind of stuff. So what does that look like? Yeah. So, you know, I think that, um, so there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. Okay. So the first is, kind of relating back to the story about uh, structure and function, right? The 70-year-old guy whose knee just looked horrid, but who had zero pain, right? Mm-hmm. So, and you, you, you mentioned this a little bit as well with your MRI study. So for me, uh, it's super important. If I'm going to get an MRI, right, then I really have to understand what that means, right? So I have to be able to explain that well to my patient. Unfortunately, um, primary care doctors are so, so overworked, right? They have so much going on. They have so many things going on that they cannot be an expert in everything, right? So when they get an MRI and they, they rely on the reading of the radiologist and it says things like degenerative disc disease and disc bulge and, you know, uh, these sorts of things, then they relay that to the patient, but there may not be a full understanding of what that means exactly. Like you said, something like 90% of people, like healthy 20-year-olds, right, mm-hmm. have like, you know, some sort of changes on their MRI. And so being able to really look at the advanced imaging and understand what it means is super important. Again, our body, as much as we try, our bodies break down over time, right? We die over time. It's <laughs> exactly. not a little bit more every day, not to be the bearer of bad news, but every day we're dying a little bit more, right? So, so the same thing happens with our joints, what we see on imaging. We'll certainly see that, you know, if we have an MRI, I'm not surprised in a 70 year old that I'm going to see, you know, a three millimeter disc bulge and I'm going to see degeneration. I'm going to see some mild stenosis, right? Mild narrowing of the canals. 
That's not what I'm looking for when I'm getting an MRI. I'm getting an MRI. I'm looking for a 15, you know, 10 millimeter extrusion of the disc that's severely causing, you know, impingement on a nerve. Those things, then, yeah, okay, those things we, we need to do something about if it makes sense with what the person is is doing clinically, right? If if the person's if the if the image doesn't match the symptom, then we can pretty much not worry about that at all. So when we look at things like MRIs, we're looking at the bones, right? We're looking at to a certain degree the tendons and muscles, but it's not it's not a tell-all story, right? It doesn't tell us every single thing that we need to, to know when we get into. So you're saying treat the patient, not the lab or not the treat image the Got it. <laughs> so good. Yep. Medicine 101, Nat traffic yep. medicine 101. Exactly. So so um, so yeah. So it's super important. We don't always see everything that we need to see. There are other there are other uh, studies that can be done. So I think ultrasound is super super interesting technology because an MRI, right? If you've ever had one, they're like, stay still, don't move, stay still, don't move, right? I actually, so, funny story about that. I went to get an MRI of my brain because I had like prolactin that was high. So I went to go get it done and I had a freaking panic. I had to leave. I couldn't even have them finish it. So right. now yes. I have a prescription for Xanax. I'm going to go back and see if I can get it done. But yeah, it's just, oh, you're so claustrophobic in there. Right, right. So you're stuck in this one position. So it's a, it, you, you, get, you get a one still image of what's going on, right? We don't know what happens when you bend forward or when you when you move your arm like this or when you move your knee like that, right? That's why ultrasound is super interesting, right? Because it mm -hmm. lets us see the muscles and tendons in real time as you're moving them. And then a step further is something called elastography. Have you heard of, do you know much about elastography? Dr. No, tell me. So elastography is super interesting because it takes the technology of ultrasound, right? It allows us to actually see the, the muscles, see the tendons. It's in one plane, but we can't really see movement. But then we combine that with pressure sensors, pressure sensitivity, where we can actually push down on the tissues and we can actually see, you know, how dense is this tissue? How hard is it? Is it bouncy? Is it foggy? Is it full of fluid? All these things that I remember hearing, uh, you know, our classmates that did Chinese medicine that we're talking about. Right. Um, and boggy that and stagnant this. We can actually see this on ultrasound now, right? That is so, so cool. Yeah, so super interesting. And that has a lot of really interesting you know, ramifications when looking at myofascial pain, right? Which mm. I think is something that's kind of really interesting and, and something that's grown a lot in my field is looking at, well, we know that something's causing pain. It may not necessarily always be the bone, but what else is there, right? So the bone, the, the nerves don't just, you know, magically come out of the nerve, you know, come out of the spinal cord and then just like magically appear at their final destination, right? In order for that nerve to get all the way down to your toe, sure, it comes out of your spinal cord, then it goes down through your glutes, it goes through your thigh, you know, it goes down into your calf, and it goes into your foot. Anywhere along that way, there can be irritation, right, of that nerve. And so what's really important is looking at the myofascial health. So myo, meaning muscle, the health of the muscle itself, and then fascia, is that sort of thin silvery lining that covers the muscle. And so that thin silvery lining is connective tissue and that in between the muscle layers and that connective tissue are where things like nerves and blood vessels run. And so if you have irritation at that level, it can certainly be nerve type pain that feels like it's, I have a shooting pain down my leg. Yeah, because the fascia, the myofascia itself is irritating that nerve. 
Interesting. So people wouldn't usually think that they think it's like a structural, like I need like an adjustment or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So just taking it a step further and looking at the actual functionality of the muscle itself. How healthy is that connective tissue, right? How much inflammation is going on there because of, you know, stress or sleep or diet or whatever. All of these things affect the way in which our body uh, responds to that inflammatory response. I mean, it actually affects the tissue itself, right? How good, how healthy is that connective tissue? And so we can actually use a combination of elastography, use a combination of ultrasound to be able to actually look. And sometimes we can actually even see, wow, that fascia there looks different. It's like thicker or it's like there's more fluid there. So we can tell and see that there is some sort of, uh, some sort of issue that needs to be addressed in that area. That is, that's awesome. So let's say for the health providers listening that want to have their patients get this particular type of imaging, how can they do that? So there are uh, practitioners that are, you know, within the, within the realm of, uh, of rehab and functional medicine, I would say to a certain degree that do elastography, but it's, you know, it's still in its early stages. Mm -hmm. It's certainly something that is, uh, that is dependent on the, on the user, but there's, there's lots of training uh, on it. You can, educate yourself you can you can do trains on it i think there's there are even whole you know so, uh, associations that are dedicated to special hmm. health and elastography so oh. there's there's certainly training out there that you can so it's something you could do in your office if you're trained to do it otherwise you can refer out to like yeah. a pain clinic or something do conventional pain clinics do this or is it more like naturopathic or functional types of places or integrative yeah, this would be less conventional. Okay. What is that crap? Yeah. <laughs> it's more um, in the integrative, integrative realm. Right on. Okay, well, let's talk about some things that can help people. So I see it as like three categories, really. There's like the fancy stuff that you do, like your services you do for people, like proliferative medicine, different types of things like trigger points or prolo or PRP. So we could talk about that. And then there's the conventional medical, like medications, and then the, the naturopathic types of, you know, natural remedies. So what are your favorite types of tools, like in each three of those categories to use to help people with their pain? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great, that's a great question. So, you know, I certainly think that there's much more research that comes out every day. I'll, I'll speak first, I guess, to the, to the cool stuff, to the regenerative medicine, right? So that's looking at, that's looking at ways in which we can sort of help the body to create its own new tissues. So Prolotherapy was sort of, I think, the first sort of phase of that where we just created an inflammatory response. PRP is more stem, similar to stem cell in which we're actually you know, providing the, the different hormones and the different cells that the body needs, what we're harvesting from the patient and then placing them back in the, in the person in order to, uh, to create a, a good inflammatory response and to get the body to lay down better tissue and fix whatever's going on there. There's been some great studies on lateral epicondylitis, right? So lateral elbow pain or, or a tennis elbow that, are, that have done super well with PRP. So I think PRP is actually gonna, gonna continue to gain more traction. Stem cell, you know, I'm not sure if we're totally there yet, but it's certainly, uh, it's certainly get, getting there. So I think those are, those are excellent, excellent mm -hmm. choices. Awesome, and um, what about trigger point injections? I know that before the show you were doing some of those. Yeah. Yeah, trigger point injections are great too. I think trigger point injections are, are, are easy and simple to do in the office and you can sometimes have a profound effect. I tend to use those more if I can, if I can really find a true trigger point, right? So, that, so a real trigger point would be like a, a tight bundle of muscle that when you're pressurizing it, it causes a referred pain pattern that reproduces the pain 
that you normally feel. So let's say normally you have pain that shoots down your arm, right? And it's like super tingly and it's painful. It goes on the back of your arm. So if I can go up into your trap or if I can go into your levator scapulae and I can really press on an area there and you're like, oh my gosh, I can feel that pain going down my arm, then that's mm -hmm. where I use a trigger point. Gotcha. And what would you inject for trigger point injections? So I don't like to use anything other than just straight, uh, straight lidocaine or, or bupivacaine. Um, I don't use steroid or anything like that. Some older school doctors will use steroid, but that's not anything that's helpful because steroid over time, you know, can kind of damage the connective tissue. So try to stay away from that. Really what I'm really trying to do, it's not the injectate that's important. It's not the solution that I'm injecting. What I'm really trying to do is really just vigorously break up that bundle with my needle tip. And so um, sometimes patients get a little bit startled because I'm really jamming that needle, moving it quick in there. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but then it gets good results, and so then they're fine with it after about a week. The first few days, I might get a couple of calls telling me how uh, it's worse now, but that's actually what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that inflammatory response to kind of get the body to heal that area. Right. That's your body sending healing factors to that tissue to heal it. So I've had Prolil probably um, maybe six or seven times just for my knees, and each time it helps just kind of tighten up the tissues. I tend to have lax ligaments, but I've, I've considered trying PRP or you know, trying some other modalities. Um, let's talk about different medications. What are your favorite medications to use for pain that also doesn't like, that has the least amount of side effects because we know that they could really come with some drawbacks? Yeah, absolutely. Conventional or, or more yeah, like- conventional. Mm -hmm. Yeah, conventional. So for conventional medication, I would say that probably, uh, I don't, so it sort of depends, right? If it's an acute symptom, then, you know, anti-inflammatories uh, can, can have a response if, if, you know, it's really limiting our movement, right? One thing that's super important for me as a rehab doctor is to maintain movement and function. So whatever medication that you're taking, it needs to, A, improve your range of motion and improve your functionality. If, if, it, if all it's doing is taking away your pain but not actually helping you do anything, then it's not really a good medication for you. And I actually have a quick question while you're on that topic of acute stuff. So let's say you like roll your ankle or just like there's an acute actual injury. Yeah. Do you think it's good to let that inflammation just do its thing and do its job? Or do you think it's good to take anti-inflammatories? Like what's your school of thought on that? I know there's differing views on that. Yeah. So if I can do it without the medication, then mm -hmm. I would rather do that. So if I can use compression and ice and elevation, right. Okay. For those first few days so um so it's just uh, so what we call price therapy right before it used to be rice just rest ice compression elevation we had that p in there now just for protection right because we don't want it to get smacked again so we want to protect it as well so if we can get away with just price therapy and i and think some that, people even say no ice they say you don't even want to do the ice because you want that inflammatory response but i don't know yeah you know it certainly depends um, yeah. i would say that if you can if you can do without it then great Okay. Uh, if you feel like, you know, it's blowing up to the size of a balloon, it's incredibly painful, I would reach for ice before I would reach for, you know, a medication. Mm -hmm. How unconventional of you to say that. Um, okay, so let's say people have to reach for something. What, are, what would be your go-to for maybe like a, acute pain? And then if there's like ongoing chronic pain, because some people just really rely on these things. Yeah, so for, uh, for acute pain, um, typically um, I would use... Uh, <laughs> This is again not conventional. I guess I don't really go on conventional route a whole lot. I use more. I love like, that. Well, that's cool. Arnica, right? Use arnica, turmeric, those sorts of things. I love it. So, if I guess if you had to twist my arm, one thing that is easy for patients to use and that can last, you know, a long time 
is using the Proxen, right? Uh -huh. It's super easy to use. It lasts a long time. You only have to take it. Usually I try to get it so it's just once a day. If I need to take it twice a day, that's fine. If, I, if a patient, usually patients are distracted enough during the day that they don't need it. Oftentimes mm. it's at night, right? People say, suddenly my pain gets worse at night. Well, suddenly you're thinking a lot more about your pain at night, which is why it's worse. Right. But, so if we can, if we can get you to, we, it's important to get you to sleep. So, you know, we can do that. If we have talking about like chronic pain, mm -hmm. I, I have had success for patients that have a lot of chronic pain and, you know, are just fed up with it and can't really, you know, do much else. And they're not really in a place where they want to be, you know, meditating or they want to be like, you know, working on their stuff. Um, I, I find that the SNRIs, like mm -hmm. Lyrica, like, mm -hmm. uh, oh, sorry, I'm about not, that. Sorry, not, not Lyrica, Cymbalta. Mm -hmm. So like Cymbalta, I've had great success with Cymbalta in patients, limited, right, amount of time. But it's sort of like a, it's probably not the best way to think about it, but it's sort of like, it's sort of like psychology and like a pill, right? Mm -hmm. So instead of having to do all the work, you can kind of just take this pill and it, it sort of helps. Uh, Interesting. Uh, it kind of calms that pain perception. It calms that pain right. perception. Exactly. Exactly. So if we can get that on board, you know, use, use the least dose that we possibly can. We can get that on board. I've had some dramatic results. I just saw a patient last week who I had seen her on video. She was in excruciating pain, couldn't even stand up for me as I was you know, trying to do a video exam with her. Just wow. like had, had not been able to sleep for you know weeks. I called her a week later and she was like, I'm walking now. I'm like getting up and making breakfast. Like I can like do things now. So that's exactly the type of response that I'm looking for. If you can awesome. give me that you're doing things now, whereas you weren't before, then I'm happy with that response. That's right, right. And the goal long-term is that you're able to kind of wean her off and get her off of that long-term, right? Exactly. Yeah. So the goal, the goal is to, so the least amount of medication for the shortest period of time, I think is always the, the main goal. So Cymbalta is probably, I, I find it to be a little bit more, effect, more effective than Effexor. Mm -hmm. um, MD has just straight neuropathic pain. Uh, Lyrica tends to work a little bit better than gabapentin and it's a little bit better tolerated. So I tend to reach for Lyrica a little bit more. It's now a DEA controlled substance mm -hmm. uh, or why, but, um, but that, that makes it a little bit, that can yeah, just check a little extra thing and make it a little bit harder to get sometimes. But, um, but Lyrica can be, can be super useful, especially if somebody tells me that they're having trouble sleeping. Mm. Right. And, and they're, they're like, if somebody perfect patient would be if somebody's like sleep, like having trouble sleeping, anxious and in pain, then I think Lyrica's, you know, tends to work okay for that type of patient. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Let's so, talk about yeah. acute remedies, natural remedies. If you have, you know, injury or something, and then if there's chronic pain, what would be some things to reach for? Yeah. So, so for acute injuries, my natural remedy is movement. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so if you can, Love maintain, it. if you can maintain movement, that's like the key. Wow. The reason that acute pain turns into chronic pain is if you don't move it. So mm -hmm. if you don't move it, that connective tissue starts laying down, you start forming these adhesions, you start forming these just basically scars in your muscle and in the connective tissue that make it really hard for you to move later on. And anytime that you move, instead of that, fa that fascia that we talked about being nice and smooth and gliding past each other, now it's literally ripping and tearing and you know, it's, it's really having to pull and push in different directions. And that can be painful. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have to get past that eventually. If somebody has been in chronic pain, I'm looking to break that stuff up. But if we can prevent that, right? Prevention is the key. If we can prevent that by maintaining movement and as much normalcy as possible, that would be, that's the key. I, I, my patients don't always like me a whole lot because they say, oh, he talked, I need a few days off work. And I'm like, well, do you? Because... <laughs> 
Because <laughs> I feel like you could do something at work, right? I want you to get it. I want you to, even if you just got up, got in your car, walked across the parking lot, sat down, stood up a few times, that's better than just being at home, laying down, because that's where the problems are going to come in. Right. That's funny. Well, do you? <laughs> really? And it's, that makes sense, right? Because it's like, it's blood flow that's going to help heal the area, but it's also, it gives you a mood boost because it helps increase serotonin when you exercise. And that also decreases the perception of pain. So it's, Absolutely. it's a double, double factor. Absolutely. What about chronic pain? So chronic pain for, uh, for more naturopathic technique? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I actually really like um, the, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name a specific product. Is that That's okay. okay. Name whatever you want. Okay. So I actually really like Zyphomens. Uh-huh. Um, so I find, I find that that's actually a pretty good one in combination with multiple things, right? So if you just take the Zyphomen, it's not going to necessarily help. But, but if, you're, if you are uh, in that position where you are, because if you're coming to me, you're, you're already going to start moving, right? So if you're, if you're moving and you find that the movement is sort of making things a little bit worse, I feel like Zyphlamand is helpful because it kind of takes the edge off, but it doesn't like kill that inflammatory response. Mm. I feel like it kind of just helps with some of that soreness and some of that discomfort that's going to be natural as you move more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I like that. I also really like the, uh, the enzymatic uh, type medications. I actually will sometimes prescribe the enzymatic medications, like the ones that contain like, uh, like uh, bromelain and mm-hmm. um uh, and quercetin, that sort of thing. Um, I'll, I will prescribe those maybe like a week or two before doing like a trigger point injection because hmm. I want as much help to really try to break up that muscle as much as I can. So, and if you look at natural meat tenderizers, that's really what's in them. <laughs> Interesting. So, so we can tenderize the muscle oral, you know, by giving oral medications and at the same time go in there a week later, really break that up. I feel like that's an, that's an effective result. Wow, that's cool. How much uh, do you use uh, essential fatty acids for pain? Yeah, so I, I would say that's, that's certainly part of the, uh, the lifestyle component. Um, I think mm-hmm. essential fatty acids are, are super, super important. So maintaining a healthy inflammatory response, having the right fats on board is huge. super key. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. You're not going to have the correct inflammatory response or a healthy inflammatory response if you don't have the substrate, right? So I feel like the, the big thing about naturopathic medicine is that we want to make sure that the body has all the things that it needs in order to function properly, right? Mm-hmm. There's no gas in the tank. You're not going to go anywhere. So, yep. you know, we need to be able to provide it all the things that it needs in order to function properly. Having yep. the correct fatty acids, having the right, you know, fluid intake is huge, right? Having yeah. sure drinking enough water, like that's like the most simple thing in the world that we learned in like kindergarten, right? Yeah. But, but nobody does it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. And you can't flush out those toxins and inflammatory compounds that are creating all these symptoms if you don't have water. Your blood is mostly made of water. So kind of need that. So interesting. So just to recap, when people come in, when they have pain, it's, it's really simple. It's make sure the body has what it needs to repair and heal and do what it's supposed to do. Remove things that get in the way of that. And, you know, and address the inflammation, give the body as little as it needs to do what it needs to do, but also effectively. Um, and so that you guys listening, there's lots of tools that you could use to address pain. And but most important is get to the root of the issue. Okay. And don't just suppress symptoms all day long. So, um, but obviously we want you to be comfortable and not be in pain all the time. So that's why we have these great tools. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and as you're talking, I just realized that you basically just recited 
the tenets of naturopathic medicine. Right? Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Right? Remove the obstacle to cure, right? First, yep. you know, harm. You know, let mm-hmm. the body do what it needs to do to heal. And you even said like doctor is teacher, right? It's like you have to know this stuff. You have to educate yourself because chances are when you go to your conventional doctor, like you said, they're so busy doing so many things. There's a lot that, that could be missed. And if you go to your orthopedic, which is surgery, there's only going to be one tool for you, one, one option. So yeah. you have to really do this research yourself. So after boiling all that down, what would be like three like simple takeaways people could start to implement that would help them to live pain-free? Yeah, so I would say that number one thing, number one thing that's super huge is to make sure that you have the mindset that you you are not your pain and your pain is not you, right? So it's super important to step away from the the identification of, of pain, mm-hmm. of, of identifying as your pain. So one simple thing that I tell my patients that's really important, and it's a, it's a tool that we, that we use now that's sort of based on mindfulness. It's called uh, acceptance and commitment therapy, right? Mm. So figuring out what's something that's super important to you, right? What's something that you really, really want to do, but you feel like you can't do because of your pain? So mm-hmm. that might be going to your son's soccer game, right? So you know, a patient might say, oh, well, I really want to go to my son's soccer game, but I know that if I go, the walk there is going to be painful, sit on the bleachers, my back, you know, and so, but I, I can't go because of the pain. So I think stepping back and saying, okay, how about you know that you're going to be in pain, right? You know that there's going to be some level of discomfort. We do all the things that we do to, to do that, but we know that during this trek out, you're not going to be pain-free, but how about still, despite that, how about still you go and do it? So that mm-hmm. you take that control back from the pain so that the pain isn't the one that's in charge, but you are. Mm-hmm. So yeah, because then the pain isn't, you know, isn't given the power there. You have the power and you're deciding to go and, and go despite it. And it right. does make the pain less if you don't make it the kind of the God of your life, right? Is this pain perception. Right, exactly. So that's the number one thing. And that sort of leads into the second thing, which is movement, right? So really make, so one of the things that's hardest is when you're in chronic pain is to that's natural is is to just say well i'm afraid to move because i know it's going to get worse or i'm afraid that if i move i'm fine out but it's going to get really bad right and so i think just really committing to being able to move and not being afraid of the movement goes back to educating yourself so that you know that just because there's the structural thing that's going on here it doesn't mean that it has to be painful like it's super important to know that the bones are there but there's also all sorts of things that are supporting the bones if your muscles around your knee are not strong and they're not you know healthy then they are not going to be able to take any of the stress off of that joint and so when there's when there are muscles that are not functioning properly and that are not in balance right everything in the body is about balance if the muscles around a joint whether it's your back or your knee are not in balance, that's going to put so much more stress on that joint. And that's going to be so much more painful for you if if that is the cause of your pain. Mm -hmm. So really making sure that you focus on balancing those muscles, strengthening them. And the first step to doing that is just, it's just moving. It's just movement. Mm -hmm. Cool. So we got mindset, we got movement. All right. What's your third takeaway? Yeah. And the third, the third takeaway I would say that's really important it has to start with an M now. So, oh. you know, so. No, just say it, and then I'll try to think of an M version for it. No, I'm just kidding. 
<laughs> so, see, the first M word I thought it was medication, but I don't want that to be. Dang that. it. Meditation? Meditation. It kind of goes yeah. into mindset, maybe. It does kind of go into mindset. Yeah. So, um, so I, I would say that another thing that's really, that's really important is to make sure that, you're, uh, that you have a good understanding of all of the things in, in your life that could be contributing to a poor inflammatory response. So, mm-hmm. and that's sort of like an all-encompassing one, but really whether it's sleep, whether it's your diet, whether it's, you know, things environmentally that you're responding to, that you're reacting to, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's your house or mold or pets or perfumes or whatever, making sure that you're optimizing everything in your, in your body, everything in your house, everything in your environment, so that you can have an appropriate inflammatory response to heal whatever it is that's, that needs to be healed because there's pain there, right? The pain is real. There's something there that's not being addressed, but we just need to figure out what it is and we need to address it. We need to make sure that the body is capable of addressing it once we figure out what it is that it needs to do. I just decided it's going to be make the source known. How about that? Uh, oh, that's good. I, like that. I was looking up, I was like, what's a synonym for identify? No, find? No. Okay, whatever. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Right? You got the M3s, Christian's M3s. Um, that's great. Now, I think that's really, really um, helpful and very practical for people. I hope you guys listening got so much you know, from this that you probably wouldn't get in other places because this is a perspective from my guests that really you don't find very often. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know you have a busy day with patients today, so I appreciate you taking the time with us. And, yeah, um, absolutely. It was a pleasure. Hopefully, uh, I said some things that maybe make sense. If not, <laughs> I guess there's always next time. There's your next guest. There's now, if listeners, if, if listeners want to work with you, is there a way they can right now? Or how does that work? Not yet? Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, if they want to work with me, I guess they could, um, I guess, try to uh, reach maybe out. Maybe just contact us and we can figure yeah, it out? contact you. That would okay. be the yeah. Yeah, we're kind of talking about ways we can work together because I, my patients are lining up to work with you. So yeah, make so. it work. Yeah. So if you guys want to work with Dr. Christian, reach out to us at shine, shinenaturalmedicine.com, and we will see if there's a way to, to make that happen. But I'm, I'm thinking there is. Um, but yeah, thank you again so much. We really appreciate it. And um, we will talk with you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, so much for having me. And uh, I wish everybody out there a uh, a pain-free day or at least a little bit less pain today as you go about your, your, your day doing the things you need to do. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love, and I'll talk to you soon.